Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. And um, we're lucky today to have a guest with us, Pete uh, Wajan. I believe that's pronounced correctly. And um, so Melinda and I are going to have a bit of a chat and um, give you some information uh, more on Brisbane. Yeah, so welcome, Pete. Um, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today. Pete is one of the leading Australian property market analysts, and he's going to provide some uh, brilliant insights into his thoughts in relation to the Brisbane property market. So, Pete, really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be here. Pleasure, guys. I'm a regular listener to the show, so excited to be on, but a bit nervous as well because you've had some brilliant guests over the weeks. Great. Well, so, um, Pete, I know you've probably heard me talk about it. Um, Melinda's the data and stats sort of nerd. Are you going to join in with that today or are you going to keep it down to earth with me? (laughs) I I try not to go overboard with stats if I can because I know people can drift off to sleep. So let's see how we go. (laughs) Perfect. Well, look, you know, I'm going to sort of start the, the episode with really getting some insights from you in relation to, you know, what's been going on going on um, in terms of pre and post COVID. And I know that's not something that a lot of people like to talk about, but I know that um, in the lead up to the pandemic um, here in Brisbane, there were some really strong predictions in terms of what was likely to happen in the Brisbane property market. I know that, um, you know, we we saw some uh, research bodies indicating that price growth was going to be upward of 20%. Um, and then, of course, the pandemic hit. And, you know, subsequent to that, we've seen all sorts of predictions, uh, price falls up to 40%. Um, you know, then revisions of those predictions, you know, over time. And now we've got some of the big banks forecasting price growth of 20%. What do you make of all of these property forecasts um, in terms of price movements, Pete? Um, yeah, I think it's, yeah, that was, that's a really good point in the sense of um, the range of outcomes that you can get from predictions. I mean, I, I was looking today at the, the budget deficit that's going to be expected for this year. 85 billion deficit, the biggest since um, in percentage of GDP. It's the biggest since the war, and yet the forecast was for a surplus. And it's like, well, if you if the forecast can't get get it within 85 billion, what's the point in in making a forecast? And it's a bit the same with um, with property predictions. Sometimes they can swing from negative 40 percent to suddenly a boom in the space of about two months. And uh, I guess. It, it does make you question the value of them sometimes. Uh, I mean, I, I I guess as somebody's operated in Brisbane, just as you guys do, you look at some of the doom and gloom predictions, especially for houses, and you just think, I can't see it because when you're there on the ground, you see the level of demand and there's very few forced sellers around. So I was never particularly bearish on uh, sort of family-appropriate housing, but... I think um, given all of the changes that we've seen over the past couple of months, I think it will be a, a strong period ahead now. It's funny, Pete, when you um, when you look at the media, um, oh, look, probably a month or two ago, we were, we were reading things about, as you said, um, 40% drop in property prices. This week, Westpac have come out and said 20% increase in the next two years, I think it was, for Brisbane. What does that do for confidence for people? Yeah, it does make a difference. It depends who's making the forecast because there's a lot of people out there 
who just um you know they just feed off the doom and gloom and that's their shtick um but bill evans of westpac he's not somebody who um, goes out on a limb with his forecast he, he lives and dies on his reputation and uh actually i did a presentation with uh, bill um couple of years ago down in Sydney and got to speak with him. He's a, he's a great guy. Uh, but people take a, a lot of credibility of his outlook for the economy, for housing, for everything. So that that does make a difference. He's one of the very few forecasters who can actually move markets and bond markets. And, uh, yeah, I think it, it, you, know, you see a headline on the front page of the Fin Review predicting 20% price growth. It, it does make a change. And now, uh, at the time of recording, we've just seen uh, planned changes to responsible lending laws. So there's suddenly the pendulum is now swinging back in the other direction. And I, I guess by next year, you'll mainly be seeing positive stories. Yeah, I don't disagree. And I know that, you know, throughout the worst of the last few months, we've um, been on the ground here seeing what's happening in real time. And, you know, I often look at some of the predictions and I wonder, you know, what on what, on what basis they're, they're looking. I know that you know, international and domestic economic conditions have been changing almost daily with with what's been going on around us due to COVID. But, um, you know, that makes any type of economic forecasting difficult. So, you know, I can imagine it's not an easy job to be, you know, helping people to understand which way property prices may be going. But um, look, I think leading on from that, you um, are very well versed in, in not only Brisbane property, but you've lived in London, Sydney, um, and more recently, you're up at Noosa. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Look, I, I've, uh, I've kind of become addicted to moving and travel. I've, I've lived in Darwin. I've lived in East Timor for a few years. But, yeah, you've, you've broadly got it right. But uh, I'll, I will settle down at some point, I'm sure. Where's the best place? Oh, yeah, I'm a bit, I guess so. Uh, generally, wherever I am at the point in time, Noosa, Noosa Springs at the moment. But um, yeah, I did live in Brisbane in New Farm for a number of years and it's a fabulous spot. So uh, definitely an advocate for Brisbane. So based on your experiences, obviously, you know, you've lived in a lot of places. Um, how can you describe, you know, was Brisbane different for you as a resident? Uh, and, you know, what was the difference if you found that it was different? Um, yeah, I mean, certainly one of the things um, which is very noticeable if you've lived in somewhere like London and worked in the in the Square Mile or even in Sydney CBD, it's much more casual. I mean, you can turn up to the office in shorts and sun shoes, and nobody even bats an eyelid. I think uh, I did a did a photo shoot for the Australian newspaper um, last year where they did they featured me in the My Way piece, and I. I was wearing my thongs to the office and the guy kind of looked at me and I was like, well, what do you expect in Southeast Queensland, you know? So it's, it's definitely, there's a different uh, vibe for sure. Uh, I suppose that some of the things that strike you, even moving up from Sydney, very different type of city. I mean, the, the planning um, and Brisbane City Council planning over the years, it's really kind of an unusual place where you can get mixtures of, uh, medium density housing sort of just randomly mixed in with low density and then you get a unit block and then you've got some really old decrepit housing stock. It's, it's quite unusual in terms of the housing stock. Uh, but I think um, certainly compared to the big cities where I've lived, it's a less mature capital city. Uh, so even though the population of greater Brisbane is quite large, it, the, the, the real bit of Brisbane where most of the demand is for housing is relatively much smaller. So 
it does make a difference in terms of property and investing because the demand is quite concentrated in that inner 10 or 12k. So, um, Peter, have you invested in Brisbane yourself? Well, yeah, most of my investing uh, borrowing capacity was used up in London and later Sydney. But because we had done buyer's agency work in Brisbane, I, I thought I can't very well be an advocate for Brisbane and not have a property there. So, uh, so yes, I, I, I've got a property in New Farm in Brisbane. So uh, I would love to have bought more, but, uh, yeah, I've been kind of top heavy in property over the years. So, uh, yeah, I'm generally trying to invest more in shares these days. But uh, So I just have the one property in Brisbane. And is there anything that probably attracted you to invest in Brisbane in, in any way? Yeah, for sure. I mean, affordability compared to Sydney and Melbourne uh, was a big driver. Um, also a bit of diversification because um, land tax it can be an issue if, you, if you're too sort of heavily focused on on Sydney or Melbourne. Um, and yeah, just I guess just to get a different spread um, because obviously the cycles are different in Australian property and uh, generally over the years you found Sydney has led the cycles and then it's followed on by um, southeast Queensland um, afterwards. So that was a part of it as well. Yeah, what um, can I ask if you don't mind sharing, When what year did you actually get into the Brisbane market? Oh, I don't know for sure, so I'll have to check, but I would say it was, it was either 2015 or 16. It was around about then. Uh, all I can remember at the time was all of the headlines were about um, you know, Brisbane apartments, you know, it's the market's um, going to crash by X, Y and Z. So, and, and part of the reason actually for me investing in Brisbane at the time was my, my borrowing capacity was kind of maxed out. Um, so I uh, usually, I, these days I, when I look for opportunities, I look for um, the most extreme doom and gloom media stories. Uh, so I bought a place in, in Geelong, I think in 2014, when everyone was saying, you know, last one out, switch off the lights. And usually that's a fair sign you're near the bottom of the market. So uh, because I was constrained on budget, I actually found a place in New Farm, which was an apartment in a small block. And it had uh, had views in two directions, district views uh, down towards the river. And, um, yeah, at the time, the sentiment for apartments was diabolical. So got to pick it up at a good price. Um, it was a horrible apartment, I should say, inter interior. Uh, but uh, I don't mind that because that's some value add. Uh, I, th I think, to be fair, if I had the budget, I would I would buy a house every time in Brisbane. But uh, that wasn't the case at that point in time. So a unit it was. And I imagine based on that selection um, in the fact that it's a small complex based in New Farm, one of the, the best growing suburbs in Brisbane, um, that you've actually probably done okay regardless of the fact that you've you've bought in at a price where at a time when there was a major oversupply in the Brisbane unit market. Yeah, totally, yeah, because you can see it all around you in the inner suburbs, um, the valley and uh, south, uh, south Brisbane and West End. There were just so many apartments. So... There wasn't really, there was no competition to buy, so you could make low offers. Uh, I think if you're going to buy a unit or a townhouse, you, you need to try and look for a point of scarcity. So, as you said, generally those kind of areas get less overbuilt in New Farm. Um, but also uh, things like views or water views tend to be a point of scarcity over time. Um, and especially if you can find a unit with views in two directions, that, that tends to be good. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it's um, the, the inherent scarcity in Southeast Queensland property, and especially in a Brisbane, is, is well located land. So if you've got the budget, then uh, that's probably the best way to go usually. Yeah, I guess that leads me into investment strategy. And, um, you know, I've done some research and I, I've read that you were financially free by the age of 33, which is, you know, a brilliant position to be in. And obviously your property portfolio helped you to achieve this. But um, if you don't mind me asking, what types of properties did you actually target? Were they sort of high cash flow properties, high capital growth properties? Um, because obviously there's a lot of interest in Brisbane right now because of the attractive yields that you know, some investors can achieve up here. And I know that off the back of a lot of our inquiry, you know, there's always that debate, do you go for high cash flow or do you go for high capital growth? But what advice do you give um, to investors when they're selecting an investment strategy? Yeah, I suppose it depends on circumstance. But we were both um, uh, higher income earners. Um, I was I was in the, paying the top rate of tax when I was 26 from memory. So I guess for us, it was capital growth only strategy um so hence the focus on london and sydney um but yeah you've got to look at your own situation but i mean even just numerically uh resi property if you don't get capital growth it's not really that attractive an asset class i would say if, if you're looking for income there's better ways to go probably um so for me especially in the modern era where your borrowing capacity may be constrained i'd say the, the best use of your borrowing capacity usually is to try and get the highest capital growth you can uh, as long as the serviceability roughly stacks up for you and if you can buy something with the potential to add value either immediately or in the future that tends to be the the sort of win-win outcome so you, you get something you can sit on today with capital growth but the potential to add further value in the future. Yeah, I'm a big believer of that, Pete. Um, being a, coming from that construction side of it, adding that bit of value, I I see a lot of um, positives in that side of thing. Um, totally. What do, see, what do you see as the main drivers for people wanting to invest in Brisbane versus the other major capitals like Sydney and Melbourne? Yeah, it's mainly affordability and price point. There, there is also the interstate migration, uh, which it doesn't all go to Brisbane. It, it kind of it spreads from, I guess, Noosa to the to the Tweed generally. But it's a it's a well trodden path, uh, and I suppose that would be a prime example of it. Uh, migrants into Australia tend to go to Sydney first and foremost, uh, or Melbourne. Uh, but then internally, people generally move from, especially from Sydney up to um, Southeast Queensland, and so that's a part of it too. You're capturing that. Um, that movement of people who've grown a pool of equity, they're looking for um, a lifestyle move generally. Um, and it, it does, as I say, it doesn't always mean that people move from Sydney to Brisbane. They could be anywhere up the coast, but just that move of wealth internally. Um, it's, a, it's a cyclical trend. It tends to follow on from Sydney's peaks. Um, certainly saw it after the Sydney Olympics. Uh, when the Sydney housing market teed off and there was a huge surge of people moving up uh, to Brisbane and, and Queensland. And I guess, you know, that that tends to happen through the cycles. We need to keep it a little bit secret. We don't want them all moving up here straight away. <laughs> uh, yep. So, well, that's one of the things that uh, COVID might have inadvertently done with the border closures, but I'm sure we'll come on to that. 
Yeah, I think that also off the back of COVID, you know, we're, there's a lot of people here in Australia talking about this, um, you know, change in the way we'll live and, you know, people relocating because now we can work from home and we don't have to be in the office and people are looking to, you know, live where they want to live and and potentially, you know, this work from home trend is going to grow. What is your opinion on that? And, you know, do you see that as something that is a short term or perhaps a long term trend? Yeah, certainly in the short term, it's happened. There's no question. Uh, people are generally avoiding density at the moment and the people are looking for space. And that's a rational response to a pandemic, right? Uh, but yeah, yeah, people have very, very short memories. Um, I wouldn't be at all surprised if maybe a year or two from now, things have gone back exactly to how they were. Uh, I think po possibly some of the... Uh, uh, trends will stick in terms of virtual meetings and more use of Zoom and so on. But uh, the, the big trend over many centuries has been to larger and larger conurbations because people are sociable creatures. So uh, I, I think a lot of it is hype. And if you look at previous pandemics, what happened, they were just followed by boom periods where people mingled uh, because people like to be together. Yeah, true. So, so one thing with Brisbane, obviously um, – we're on, we're on the bay, um, we're near the water. So one thing people do talk about is bayside suburbs, thinking obviously living by the sea is more desirable, better investment. What's your opinion on uh, Brisbane bayside suburbs compared to Sydney, Melbourne coastal locations? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a strong opinion on it. I, I mean, I think it would be fair to say that it's, it's not, uh, bayside Brisbane doesn't have the same uh, it's not the same draw card as, say, a Bronte Beach or a Clovelly Beach uh, from a lifestyle perspective. Um, there may be something in uh, being near water and potentially a bit of uh, coastal breeze doesn't go amiss, especially in January and February. But I suppose um, I think a, a lot of it probably comes down to property type in those areas. If you can get something, uh, the house on a good block with scarcity, um, I, I imagine that that could do pretty well. Um, I think some of the the new townhouse developments and new apartments that go up, uh, probably I'd be less keen on. Uh, but I, I don't have a strong opinion on it. Maybe you guys have a, a better handle on it because I, I just, frankly, have not spent that much time out there, even though I do have friends that live out that way. Yeah, it's an interesting um, thing because obviously we do get a lot of inquiry from people and they they ask about what's happening Bayside and there's certain bays up the east coast of Brisbane, um, some not very desirable at all, in fact, covered with mangroves or, you know, they're completely impacted by mud at low tide. And yet, you know, if inv particularly investors, if they're not located here in Brisbane, they simply don't know what they're like um, because you never see photos of some of these locations at low tide. You only ever see them at their best. So, you know, all my only advice to anyone that is considering Brisbane Bayside is really you need to understand the areas as to whether they are desirable because some areas, you know, are going to be a lot more um, desirable than others when it comes to coastal locations in Brisbane. So do your research. That's probably yeah, not yeah. Well, that, that's I mean, I, I, that's what I meant really. It's not it's not the same as being on uh, a Sydney Eastern suburbs beach. The uh, yeah, just from a um, a lifestyle point of view, but also from an attractiveness point of view, as you say, at low tide, it's a very different dynamic. I've got friends that live at Sandgate, and when the tide's in, beautiful, look over the yep. water, but obviously when the tide's out, you're not going for a swim. So it is, it's just different. I wouldn't say it's uh, good or bad. 
Yeah, it's also um, I, I spent uh, about five years growing up, um, early sort of teenage around that years in um, Cronulla down on the Shire. Um, and the other thing I notice a lot, the difference between Brisbane and especially Sydney, I'm not as familiar with probably Melbourne, um, is um, transport. Um, the public transport, you can catch a train down to Cronulla, you can you can get out to Manly, you can get to all those areas. Some of the Bayside areas in Brisbane, a little bit harder sometimes with um, transport. So that's something if you're looking investing, um, be aware of the um, the transport options as well. Yeah, in saying that, um, uh, on the theme of having lived almost everywhere, back in the 90s, that, that was actually the first place I lived when I came to Australia was down in Miranda. And uh, it, you're right, I mean, it, it is on the train line. I suppose one of the things these days in Sydney is the uh, all of those areas around Gaimere, Kirawi, Miranda, those apartments gone up like they're going out of fashion. and The traffic is just diabolical these days and the trains are pretty slow as well. So it's a challenge in Sydney as well, but you're right, Brisbane is not always well-serviced from a transport point of view, so you need to factor that in as well. Yeah, I know that there's some recent um, research that I've read that shows that commute times in Brisbane by car have doubled in the last 10 years. I expect it's a... No doubt. (laughs) Yeah, that will continue to get worse, you know, and will follow in the footsteps of the likes of Melbourne and Sydney. So whilst it's still fairly easy in a lot of areas and a lot of suburbs in Brisbane to jump in your car and commute by car to the CBD, you know, looking forward, um, and that's something that all property owners should do because you, you're purchasing for the long term, you've got to consider what that's going to look like in another 10 years' time. And I believe that our roads will just get more congested as time goes on. So public transport corridors will become more important and we will have to rely on them um, more than we currently do. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, although I've got a, a property in Newfile, I, I generally stick to the train lines for the rentals because um, I guess it's just a function of having uh, been in London where everybody lives near a tube station and it, nobody really wants to be a car driver or, or even a car owner in London. Uh, now, obviously, Brisbane's a lot further back on that curve, but I guess that part of the thing in, in Queensland is that everybody drives everywhere. And as you said, the traffic, is um you know coming down from noosa if i if i get in after 7 a.m then i get down to castle dean just fine and then suddenly i'm I'm stuck so it's uh i think especially for rentals um if you want a a ready supply of tenants then being close to transport hubs or transport links is really important the good news for you pete i did read the other day that they're looking at it uh widening the the Bruce Highway up from, um, I think it's up towards Beerborough, up towards Steve Irwin Way. Um, I think that starts around Christmas time. This, yeah, this mate, it, it's been an abomination up there. It's, it's constantly under construction. But, uh, yeah, to be fair, once you get out of Brizzy, it's, it's not too bad. It's, it's, it's generally the closer you get into the, to the city. I guess it's just concentric circles. They're just less and less space. And, uh course the other thing is you get absolutely crucified on the parking but that's a whole other that's a whole other conversation yeah one of the most expensive cities in the world for parking that's something that i read recently (laughs) i don't i do not doubt it (laughs) yeah now pete i am going to you know take it down to the level of data because i am a bit of a research nerd and i do love data but i know that you report on a lot of data and you know you do follow a lot of trends that are emerging is there anything that you're seeing in in the data that you're interpreting um, in terms of what the future and supply metrics look like for the, the greater Brisbane region? I know you're tracking sort of 
building approvals and you know those sorts of things what what comment do you have in relation to where Brisbane's sitting in relation to supply and demand yeah it, I guess that's the big one is the building approvals for Brisbane because I think up until um, I guess 2010 2011 the general feeling was that the the supply mechanism was broken and nothing ever seemed to get built and then there was a shift in um, attitude um, from the Brisbane City Council, but then it's just a confluence of factors. You had record low interest rates, and then seemingly from nowhere, we got all the demand from Chinese mainland investors, and then suddenly we went from no supply to uh, just apartments going up all over uh, the inner city, but but also out to uh, places like um, Tawong and some of those hubs as well. Um, so. I guess we went from not very much supply to an enormous level of apartment supply over a number of years there. Uh, but I guess now approvals have been falling for, well, since about 2016. So I think the pendulum has swung the other way. It's actually harder to get approvals probably through council than it was um, some years back. So that, that makes a difference too, that pendulum uh, swinging towards a bit tighter. So I think um, generally the, the, the supply is being taken up now. A lot of areas did get overbuilt, especially for apartments. And uh, so the rental market was really soft for a while. But I think um, if you're renting out particularly a house these days, they often get taken up first week or, or even sooner. So I think it's, it's definitely tightening. Uh, population growth has kind of been switched off this year. But once that resumes, I think we'll get towards a, quite a tight market. Yeah, it's an interesting, um, you know, situation that we're in with border closures, etc. One thing that, you know, I often talk about is the fact that Brisbane is less reliant on international migration and more reliant on interstate migration. Now, neither of those types of um, population growth are occurring right now, but I guess once the state borders reopen and we are able to welcome more interstate migrants, we'll probably see, you know, our population shift um, because of that as well. But, you know, there's other things that are contributing to the demand as well. So we're, we're in an environment where supply, you know, is tightening, but, you know, we're also in an environment where there's record low interest rates and, you know, people have more access to funds. And you pointed it out earlier in terms of one of the reasons why you um, invested in Brisbane yourself, Pete, and that's affordability. And, you know, that's what we're finding, you know, through our inquiry, that there's a lot of investors that are now looking at Brisbane as a safe market, an affordable market. They're fueled by record low interest rates and strong yields. It's it's an interesting time. And I think we're at an interesting um, point in the property cycle here in Brisbane. And, you know, I think that the future looks bright. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, there's a few different uh, aspects there. You, you mentioned a, an interesting one on, on the yields uh, because the, the rental market has been relatively soft in recent years. But, um, yeah, I, just thinking back to about a million years ago, we used to have this phrase in London called the reverse yield gap, where if, if you could buy a property and the rent just covered everything, uh, the rent just covered the, the interest cost, the holding cost, and it put cash in your pocket then it was the opposite of the usual situation where you've got a yield gap. And I guess if you look at it now, Brisbane, as you mentioned, four or even 5% yields, not that hard to find. And yet um, even investors now can borrow from the mid twos. Uh, yeah. So I guess this is a, a fairly unusual situation. 
and for home buyers as well now, the buy versus rent equation, at least from an interest serviceability point of view, has actually swung in favour of it being cheaper to buy a home than rent one. Um, mm. And that's even with the soft rental market. So I guess historically that's always been a positive for housing demand and prices, in, at least in the capital cities. So uh, especially for Brisbane, where the yields are a bit higher than, say, Melbourne, um, I think you add up all of those factors, it's a pretty good outlook now. Yeah, I agree. And I, I definitely think that, you know, that's one thing that does set Brisbane apart. People can still potentially purchase for those um, stronger yields and what they will get in other capitals, which is a positive for investors. So, yeah, um, totally. Peter, I believe you wear many, many, many hats in, in business. Um, is, is there a business uh, you'd like to give a bit of a plug for today and, and how do they get in contact with you if they want to um, have a chat? Yeah, so um, I guess the uh, the business that has been taking up my time recently uh, is uh, buyersbuyers.com.au and we, we uh, as the name implies, we're property buyers, but we, we do it on a national basis. So um, it's a buyer's agency uh, marketplace, essentially. So we uh, but we have three different levels of service for all, for all budgets. So we, we have a full service. We have an auction bidding service, which applies less, I guess, in Queensland because most stuff uh, sells by private treaty. Uh, but we also have a, a negotiation and acquisition service for people without the budget or who don't need the full buyer's agency service. So, yeah, it's an interesting uh business that has been uh, taking up quite a lot of my time as we grow it, um, but it's all good fun. Well, that's um, that's good. We will put those details for how people can get in contact with you in the show notes. So, And obviously, if people want any more information about the Buyers Buyers um, service that you're providing, they can get access to it there. All I say is if you are looking in Brisbane, maybe reach out to Streamline Property Buyers and anywhere else, reach out to Buyers Buyers. Is that <laughs> fair to say, Pete? Or that, Absolutely. That to yeah. <laughs> and I think, I mean, uh, jokes aside, it is an important point. that, that um, I think in Brisbane, uh, we have seen, because of the reciprocal licensing agreements you can get in Queensland, you often see people flying up to Brisbane with no local knowledge and doing a sort of a, a quasi-buyer's agency service. I think it's, it's a serious point. If you're going to invest in Brisbane, you've got to have somebody with local knowledge because, as you said, there's things that are unique to Brisbane, uh, flood risk areas that people may not know about, uh, zoning changes. There's all sorts of stuff that if you're not local, you wouldn't know, not least that obviously REIQ has different legislation. Yeah, and I also just... Uh you know, always say that being on the ground every weekend to see real-time demand um, adds so much value for people wanting to understand what's happening right now because the data is great and the data tells us what has been happening. But data, you know, when we're relying or when some agents are relying purely on data for location selection, they're, they're looking in the rear view mirror, to be honest. And, you know, that's one thing that we always like to highlight, that we are out on the ground every weekend and providing real-time updates, which is of huge benefit to clients. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, that, that's the whole, the whole thing, really, is that anyone who listens to your podcast regularly knows that, that you guys are you're there living it and doing it. You're not theorists and you're actually out on the ground and, uh, very credible. So, uh, and you've done a great job with Streamline. Thanks for the plug. <laughs> Mate, we'll have to get you back more often. You say nice things about us. <laughs> Check the post, is it? <laughs> 
Look, um, mate, it's been it's been fantastic having a chat. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I hope our listeners have enjoyed it and taken a few things out of here. Um, I, look, I'll I'll wrap up now. I'll let Melinda say thank you and um, and wrap up with yourself. Um, so yeah, thanks very much again. And from me, it's um goodbye and thanks very much. Talk soon. Bye for now. Pete, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're over in the UK at the time of recording, so we really appreciate you making the time to have this chat today. Absolute pleasure. Thanks so much, guys. Oh, by the way, Pete, the weather's beautiful back here in um, in some <laughs> Queensland. <laughs> I wish I could say the same. <laughs> Just what you wanted to hear. Look, thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in again to the Brisbane Property Podcast. Um, as always, please don't forget to share the podcast with your friends and family. Leave us a review if you like what you're hearing. And if there's any topics that you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out to us. We're always happy to answer um, the audience. Uh, questions. So I'm Melinda Jennison. Thanks for tuning in again and we'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.